What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode three of Taste Buds. How excited are you for episode three, Mike? Okay, we made it to three. That was uh, that was longer than I thought we'd make it. I don't know. I thought we would uh, last really? a couple no. episodes. I had no faith. Zero faith. I had zero faith. I thought, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I, I think we did. We did, I feel like, have a good, a solid second episode. I feel like gained a little bit more traction. Ready to take it to the next level, hopefully. Yeah, we kind of we got through the Thanksgiving holiday, which was the big big food food day, obviously. Yes, spent a good chunk of time last episode talking about Thanksgiving, so we figured we'd do a quick recap. We know that people are probably sick of hearing about Thanksgiving, so we're going to make it pretty brief. I want to. I think we should get out of the way what everyone's thinking. What was was there a cornbread element to your Thanksgiving? What there was, the, was. There was. We did have cornbread. Um, so I actually had the unique uh, experience. I had a, uh, a Thanksgiving at around noon, and then I had another Thanksgiving at about 5.30. Kind of, I mean, I've got to be honest, pretty fun day. Um, didn't Was think, that your first time having two Thanksgivings in one day? So too? we did it last year, too. Um, we did the the dual Thanksgiving uh, last year. Um, I I I feel like I was prepared to eat a lot. You kind of just have to pace yourself throughout the day. Other uh, nice thing about doing the two Thanksgivings is you can do uh, the turkey, and then you could do something different for the nighttime Thanksgiving. Especially if you do what I did, where we ate out at a restaurant at night. So this is something we didn't get to last week. We we're actually going to talk about. The whole idea of actually going out to a restaurant, how it's becoming bigger on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Every restaurant now, if you look, they have a Thanksgiving menu. So we went out for dinner, and I ended up getting fish for Thanksgiving. It was great. So I had my turkey and and all that, and then I had another meal. What was the the menu like? How does that work? Like, do they so, have a Thanksgiving traditional Thanksgiving menu? Right. So the restaurant we went to had the Thanksgiving menu. Um, and then it had uh, the regular menu. So you could order anything off the regular menu or the Thanksgiving, which uh, I I highly recommend any restaurant do, just in case you're in my position and you have people there that have had uh, the turkey and all of that and want to change it up. Uh, so I got the best of both worlds. Um, it was a lot of eating. Yeah, I was going to um, say, there's no way. You I mean you had to pace yourself for that first one? I did have to pace myself for the first one. Um, you know, maybe I would have gone for the second plate, and I did not. I knew what was coming. I kind of knew what was around the corner. Um, I also went light on the desserts, which we talked about. Uh, desserts, you know. Overrated. Overrated. I did get a little pushback on that take. Um, or it was your take, actually. It was, I, def- I, yeah, it was definitely my take. It was your take. I agreed with it. Um, Dan Mattioli, one of our loyal listeners, he pushed back on that tweet, uh, on that take, sorry, in a tweet to me. Specifically um, on the pumpkin pie. That was probably the biggest part. It was the pumpkin pie pushback. Yes, that, I got like, some push. I, yeah. I, I don't not didn't have never had an amazing pumpkin pie, so that's probably it too. I think like that's pro- that's what Dan was saying. Right. Was and we fully admitted that we never really had had an amazing pumpkin pie, so it's totally just based on so our So feel experience. free to if you you know, just send us your best pumpkin pie and right. then maybe we'll change our take on that. Right. I am we're open to pumpkin we're pie orders all yeah. year round. All year round. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a good Thanksgiving. Um, and shout out, wait, can we just do a quick shout out to, um, the cook of the first Thanksgiving meal? Oh, Suzanne Eagle great, killed it. Killed great, it. great job with the, uh, Thanksgiving yeah, meal. Yeah. Um, and, um, no, it was, a, it was a, it was a fun day and, um, and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's any holiday, like I said last week, any holiday that's based on food, 
um, based around food is, is, is fine in my book. So and family too. I guess that's important. Um, <laughs> oh, that's food so and nice family. Oh yeah. That God. really, you know, I put that second, um, oh, a close second and then wow. football obviously really up there too. So no, it was a fun, it was a fun day. And, um, wait, wait, wait real quick. Favorite, favorite part of the Thanksgiving, like the food. We'll just, just pick real quick. One oh, thing. that's, uh, can I not go cornbread? <laughs> I don't even really know. You know, I, I, it's, I, I don't, I, I honestly, um, I enjoyed the stuffing. Um, okay. yep. I, I'm yep. not, I'm not prepared for this. I feel like, you know, I sort of, it was a blur. When you do the two Thanksgivings, it's all a blur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you kind of forget really, what you even right, ate. You're right. stuffing food in your mouth. Right. It's great. Yeah. Um, uh, Jacqueline made a, um, a chocolate mousse pie. I know I was hating on desserts earlier, but we, not only did we have it, we ended up taking it home somehow, which is kind of an underrated thing to do at a Thanksgiving to bring something and then you end up getting to the chance to take it home. Oh, you know how like our mom, the way she works is like, she wants people to take food. Yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That even applies to stuff you brought yourself, huh. which was great because oh, so that, that was mom that, that, sent her back with that sent her back yeah, with the I pie it ended up eating the pie all weekend it was excellent um so that was a highlight um and uh yeah that's so when you do the thanksgiving two thanksgivings it is it is kind of all a blur mm-hmm. what was your uh, uh one it, thing that we didn't talk about was the the cornbread casserole i think it was whatever that casserole that oh what is yeah that called? Corn? i never quite know what it is what is it it's like makes? it's a kind of cornbread but it's, it's not really a cornbread though it's like a creamed corn creamed thing. corn i really like that yeah that was good also um so we went to post 390 for our dinner post 390 amazing rolls Oh, okay. Great okay. rolls. So, what, what, kind of, what, what, uh, what are we talking here? What, they what? had these buttered biscuit type rolls okay. that were unbelievable. Like pre-buttered? They were already pre-buttered. They were pre-buttered. Oh. <laughs> no, the best. And okay, a quick story about that was um, we were uh, they they have this uh, butter that came with it, even though they were pre-buttered. So Jacqueline, we had we were out of butter, and they gave us another basket, so we had no butter on the table. So Jacqueline says to the waiter, though the waiter, uh, "Can we get another thing of butter?" And, and he goes, "Okay, there's already a lot of butter in those." Oh, Jacqueline must have been rattled, right? So she's that's, like, that's "Well, like now, a, so what is he trying to say?" <laughs> There's already a lot of butter on there. You already, do not need any more butter. Yeah, that. savage thing to say. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's already a lot of butter on those. I mean, come on, just just give us the butter. I mean, Wait, yeah, there's a reason you're asking for the butter. Right. We need a little bit more. Yeah. You can't. Um, really, I mean, yeah, over butter. I mean, that you can never lather on too much. I mean, there is a limit, but yeah, no, there's. I don't know. Is there a limit? Is there a limit with um, butter? That's, but yeah, so that was kind of the that was a, a highlight of the dinner with a. Uh, I feel like the the rolls at Post Three Ninety excellent, and it kind of you know. Um, and the meal was. I mean, it, yeah, it it sets up the meal like we said. Oh, it sets up the meal. You know, you're in for a nice meal. We talked about that last week with the bread basket. It's just, you know, restaurants, they know what they're doing if they're putting out a good bread basket. That's the bottom line. That's essential. That's essential. But um, not not every nice restaurant does the bread. Well, then you get into the really nice restaurants that don't do a bread basket. Because they don't want you to get to spoil the meal. Right. And I respect that, too. Yeah. I respect that, too. Um, I I think the art of the bread basket is kind of... it's. It's not as strong as it used to. Like it, it, it's not a big priority for some nice restaurants anymore. Like you said, right. especially these tapas type places, they're not starting you off with because that's probably one of their dishes that they would want to put a little more effort into. Right, right. 
throwing bread on the table. Exactly. Like some of the better restaurants in Boston, now that I'm thinking about it, um, they don't do a bread basket. All I'm saying is, is that if you're going to do one, make sure it's great. Um, I'm totally, I'm all for restaurants not doing it. If they kind of want to make it like an appetizer where it's a special type of bread with butter, um, that's fine too. But if you're going to throw one on the table, know what you're doing right. and post 390, they know what they're doing. It's set up great meal. It was a great night and the whole day was, was awesome. And, uh, yeah, very stuffed. Yeah. All right. So I think we're all sick of Thanksgiving. At this yeah. Point. Okay. So right? no more Thanksgiving. On Another to, year. I mean, on to the holiday season. We're on to over, the holiday we're season. We're over Thanksgiving. It's kind of, yeah. once you get enough of that type of, like, you're sick of it by the time it's over. You're pretty yeah, sick of it. It's like, it's it's one of those, it's it's like a really, it, not to bring up dessert again, but it's like a really great dessert where you're looking forward to it and then you have like one piece and you're like, I'm good. Yeah. That's really, it. It's true. I'm good. The idea of it is better than the actual, right. the actual thing. And I'm good for another year. I don't need to bring up turkey or anything like that for another year, but I'll be looking forward to it next year. Right. No, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm looking forward. It's one of those things like a week out, you're like, okay, like I, I can, I'm looking, I, I'm, I'm amped up a little bit to have, have, to have like some home cooking and, and have a lot of food, but it's right. not something that's like, you're not really thinking about year right. round. I totally agree. So yeah, we're, that was a, that was a quick little recap just to kind of get everybody to get, yeah. get everyone quickly off the topic. So we're, we're done with that. Another okay. We, yeah. Yeah. We'll spare you guys any more Thanksgiving talk. So speaking of what's happened the last week. So aside from eating Turkey, um, we're going to go through our best of the week. So best thing we ate, best thing we watched, best thing we listened to any other, the best. So Mike, we'll start with you best thing you ate well, outside of the thanksgiving stuff right heard, outside thanksgiving yeah, yeah, yeah what's the best thing you ate this week okay so uh jacqueline and i on saturday night went to this restaurant in boston called marielle um i know you've been there brandon you mm-hmm. went there before i did it's a very very hot restaurant in boston um it's uh same chef has a few different places in boston they're all seem to get so much hype when they open um Really, really cool space. I was very excited. I walked in, and I, I got to admit, I was kind of tr- – I almost wanted to hate on the place because it was very trendy. Uh, one of these places where you walk in, the music's loud. Like, everyone's there to take Instagram pictures, and you, it's like almost like an influencer paradise. Um, I thought to myself, there's no way the food's going to be that good. It's Cuban food. Um, I, I just – you, f- you figure like the really trendy places, how could they have that great of a food menu? Right. Like I just, I, w- I was kind of trying to be a hater. Um, the food was excellent. Everything we got was excellent. Um, and one dish in particular uh, was the lamb belly. And I know what some people might be thinking, lamb belly, what the heck is that? Uh, kind of the same consistency as pork belly. Um, for those who have had that, they had a really um, just an um, – unbelievable uh, sauce on it almost like a barbecue sauce type consistency how did you come to order that if it was so kind of out there like did they recommend it you know um i kind of took a leap of faith and i thought it would taste like pork belly because i'd never had lamb belly yeah took a leap of faith um interesting you asked about the recommendations the waiter like we asked him for the recommendations and he said oh people like this and he pointed one thing and then that was it and he said all right yeah that's just this is the one thing people like that's pretty wild so we're like okay well that doesn't really yeah that wasn't like really people like too he didn't even say he liked it yeah right we ended up getting it it was excellent it was a shrub it was a blackened uh, shrimp dish that was really good but uh, the lamb belly um, was excellent. Um, and we'll, we'll, 
for the, for the restaurant recommendations or for the waiter, well, that's going to be another spicy take. Probably not this episode, but yeah, we'll do that. We'll save that for another episode. Um, but that's a whole spicy take topic. Just mm-hmm. even, just the process of asking a waiter and what you do with a waiter's recommendations, yeah, yeah, like yeah. whether that's your Bible for the night or whether you go off script, which it can be fun to go off script and shove it right in the waiter's face. To yeah, like, right. When he recommends about four or five things and then you go with another thing. Oof, can create a I'm little a bit. big. I, I mean, we'll get into this, but I, I, I usually do trust the waiters, if especially if they're vouching for it that they've eaten it. Like I will. I, I'm a, tr- I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm on the side of the waiter on that right, one. Right, right. All right. So that's a whole other topic. So, uh, bottom line, lamb belly from Marielle. If you get there, get that dish. It's excellent. And and the that's one of these places um, we were talking about that's like really an experience aside from the food. It's like the, the you go in it feels like you're eating in like a museum. Like right, the, right. Like the ambiance, like you look up at the ceilings, like it's right. just everything. I think they're all of that. They they also that restaurant group has Yvonne's. Yvonne's, yep, and, and uh, Lolita. Lolita. So th- if you've been to any of those places, those are that's kind of how this. It, it, it's kind of all the same type of restaurant where it's very trendy. And also pretty good food. I would say that Marielle is probably the best food-wise. Out of yeah. The I mean, Avon's has a weirder menu. Um, for anyone that's been there, the menu is it's a lot of non-traditional things that um, that don't look appealing at first. I mean, I'm not like a huge Avon's fan. Uh, Lolita's, you know, pretty basic Mexican menu. Um, but um, but I was really impressed with Marielle. I think that restaurant will do really well. It's in a tough location, which is another whole topic about mm. just how location can really ruin or or make or break a restaurant mm-hmm. uh tough location it's in the financial district so they're not getting a ton of foot traffic or anything but um i think they'll do really well they actually have an underground club now there oh i heard about that so you can at, at like nine o'clock each night the uh there's like a club underneath um which is another reason why i was gonna hate the place when i walked in i saw a line for the club and i'm like there's no way this food can be good mm-hmm. um they surpassed all my expectations so shout out marielle Okay, get some Michael Seal of approval. Michael Seal of approval, which can mean a lot. I yeah. mean, it oh, really, yeah. you know, I don't just give it to anything. No, I know. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a tough Your critic. Your best of the week. It should be like... You, no, they, this they, is my best of the week. Yeah. When I'm not going to put it on here if it was just a solid of the week. Right. It's the best of the week. Yeah, no. All right, so what, do you, what is your best of food of the week? All right, so I'm going to go back-to-back weeks, I think, of, of sandwiches, actually. Big sandwich guy, like okay. I said last week. Um, and this one is a very special – holds a very special place in my heart. And I think anyone that um, has spent time in Ann Arbor, um, it holds a special place in their heart as well. And it's Zingerman's, and especially the Zingerman's Reuben. Um, I'm not a huge Reuben guy normally, actually. But when it's like the flagship sandwich of the restaurant, I'm going to go with it. And I did, was not let down. It was actually, I'm, I think I'm going to start getting more into Rubens now um, after that. But if you don't know Zingerman's, it's it's really like the Mecca in Ann Arbor for like Jewish like deli food. It's it's amazing. There's always, it, it, it's it's really an experience. Like if I recommend anyone that's passing through Ann Arbor, just stop by, go in. It's like a market slash deli. Um, and it really made me, it was like a home away from home for me when I was there. I went to Michigan for four years. So like, yeah, for those four years, I was, it was like a home away from home for me, like a lot of traditional Jewish food and, um, their sandwiches are amazing. And I know it's like overhyped, but it really does live up to the hype. Um, it, it really does. And I know you've, 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 I have been to Zingerman's. Yeah. Uh, visiting you, um, while you were there. Now, is Zingerman's, because, like, I feel like when you go to visit Michigan, you're always going to Zingerman's, but yeah. is that a place, like, you go to all the time if you go to that school? No, it is it is one of those places. It's super expensive, first of all, so if right, you're a college right. kid, you're not going to be going to Zingerman's on the reg. There's there's also another re- deli that's a little bit more, it's a little cheaper, and it has 
it, it's kind of like the 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 poor man's zingerman's it's called maize and blue deli so right if, i've been there too maize great and blue, deli yeah and I used to live right near there. So those two are, you can't go wrong with either of those two. Zingerman's is the most famous one because of the, like, it's become kind of a, a like a worldwide brand or a nationwide brand. Like they, they ship their stuff all over the world. Um, so, I mean, it, it is like, it, it's part of the Ann Arbor experience. And it's really, it was even, it was in that movie, Five Year Engagement. Like he worked at Zingerman's. Right, Jason right, right. Siegel worked at Zingerman's. So it is kind of part of the pop culture scene. So like, it's definitely something to at least check out, grab something from. All right, Zingerman's Deli, nice. Uh... Zingerman's Deli. So um, now, best of the best, best watch. What, what was the best of the week for best thing you watched this week? Honestly, best thing I watched this week was Ohio State oh, Michigan. Incredibly you entertaining. Son of a bitch. Now, for anyone that doesn't, you know, we just talked about that Zingerman's was a great transition. Friend. That was a great transition. Or, Michigan awful. Zingerman's um that was actually what i got after that pretty the next day after the mission i went to the game i was like basically just so depressed and i was just like i need i need my zingerman sandwich now like that was like the perfect like remedy for me yeah you needed that that was like, yeah it really kind of brought me back to zero after. i know it's just like unfortunate when you have a game that's really hyped up all week all year and then you get about midway through the game like second quarter maybe and you're like this one team is just way i mean Ohio State is just way better yeah and so it kind of made the second half a little boring yeah um, it, it's just it was just so i mean i've talked about this so much with my friends and it, it it's just so clear the difference in talent it, it was right. just that much more apparent like ohio state's one of the best teams ever right now like they're probably playing. yeah and michigan just doesn't they, they they don't get the same guys that play for they them. just they don't have a few but they're not enough to to really keep up and um yeah that's like a whole different discussion whole different discussion yeah. but yeah i didn't have uh too much that was on my uh docket this that last this past week for what i watched so i figured i would troll brand there's no no bit. shows you're not watching any shows right now there is a show where that jacqueline and i are watching right now that i'm not gonna i'm hesitant to say oh, uh-oh. tune in next week I might be willing to reveal it. It's what, is it like very a guilty pleasure. Type it's a thing? guilty pleasure. That's kind of a. Uh, it's it's not it's this not is one a circle I, of trust. You can, no, no, no one even I, listens to this podcast. No, anyway. I'm going to say next week. I'll I'll say it, but I'm not ready this week. Okay. All right. What's the um? I'll what's the it, what's the what's the best thing you watched? So this is something I just started really getting into. I've heard a lot of people recommend it, and it's Watchmen on HBO. Okay. Um, pretty, you know. I'm not a big me and me and me and Mike. We're, you know, we're, we're both not big superhero, no. you know, that type of stuff. So it was really it took me a lot to get into it. Um, first two episodes, not it, it didn't really grab me. But by the third, I feel like that's usually a rule of thumb for me. If I get to the third episode of a season, then I'm like over the hump and I'm pretty much like all in. Um, so I got I watched the first two. It took me a couple of weeks to get back onto the third one, and it, it's it's one of the most inventive creative shows that i've like really ever seen and it, it really it's a great example of how um you know audiences are way more open to this type of storytelling um and it, it really just it goes for it like it doesn't I, I it takes a lot of risks um it's by the same guy the showrunner that did lost um and also did the leftovers which yep. neither of which i really got into um surprisingly i may have to go back and watch both of them i'm surprised you didn't watch lost i know i, I started to and it was i was a little too young i feel like i didn't really yeah. appreciate it but I've, i kind of can see why this guy um he has these complex storylines that you don't really understand at first and and it, the more i'm watching it the more it's all kind of coming together so d- 
definitely recommend jumping on that bandwagon. I think the season finale, it might be next week or there might be a few more, more episodes, but it's definitely worth checking out. It's very interesting. Okay. Maybe it'll be on uh, my radar this weekend. Um, okay. So last one, best thing we listen to. Um, I'll keep it quick. Um, one podcast I'm really into, uh, it's it's up there. It's like number four or five. It's always up there in terms of the, the top shows. If you go to Apple Podcasts, um, sorry, any Spotify people, yeah. Brandon, um, is a Crime Junkie. Um, so I'm a big true crime podcast guy. I've listened to most of the top ones. This one, it kind of makes it easy for you. It's just one episode and done. It goes on to the next story. Um, for anyone that is into true crime and they're just looking for, you know, an easy 30, 40 minutes on their ride home or ride to work, it's, uh, it's called crime junkie and they're all excellent. Um, they're, they're kind of keep you on the edge of your seat. Some Mm -hmm. of them are a little scary. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great listen. Um, highly recommend that. So I I love a good true crime podcast. It's, it's, it's it's like, unlike anything, it's hard to explain like why it's such, it's, it's just such a perfect form. Podcasts are such a perfect format for that type of, um, it, like experience, like it right, really right. Because there's nothing like visually you need to see. Right, that's the it thing. It almost you know? makes it because you imagine what's going on, and right. it makes it almost more interesting that you like. There's you're almost having to use your imagination. Right, and then best part after is googling all the yeah, main you, players. Yeah, you hear everyone someone does that. Right, you absolutely like you you like you have some image of in your mind of what the person looks like, and then right. you Google, and it's like usually like way different. You're like, like, oh, oh that shit. guy's like way different. No, that guy okay, was that, that, that guy was murderer. Yeah. Like, that little guy and then hearing their voices too and you hear like and then you look at what they look like and i know it's like completely different like, it's uh i know so i love i love looking up you can you can you can do a deep dive into, yeah, into go down a rabbit hole go down a rabbit hole into the whole case and everything like that so crime junkie best thing i listened to what was your best thing so i have a couple i mean i'll, I'll just narrow it down to one um I love the Ringers Rewatchables podcast. It's something that excellent. Mike and it's, it really is excellent, and we're big movie guys. Um, and I, I, part of me wants to have one of one like a couple episodes on, on on that like having it be like doing basically what they do at that podcast, which is looking at a movie, revisiting it, um, and kind of going through um, you know nitpicking like the movie and, and reviewing like how does it hold up over time because some movies are are not rewatchable. Some of them like kind of take on a whole new meaning. Uh, when you rewatch it years later uh, so this specific one was wolf of wall street which uh, is definitely polarizing movie uh, definitely a polarizing movie yeah um, but it, it really just i mean it, it gets into the story behind the movie how it was made you know what the actors have gone on to do since um, and how everything's held up so it, it's there's they have a lot of really really good episodes and they're they're the people that like they bill simmons on sometimes um it, it's really a good it, i know that's mike actually turned me on to that yeah it's um you know for anyone that doesn't know it really it, it takes a movie that we all sort of rewatch all the time on cable or hbo or whatever um and it just talks about the most rewatchable scene uh who had the best performance and it's a, a very very easy listen very different than Cl- crime junkie or a true crime podcast right. something something lighter you know when you're not in the mood to hear about a murder mm-hmm. or a triple whatever right. um but uh but yeah excellent i i excellent podcast and definitely will make my best of uh in the coming weeks i'm sure um okay so let's transition so back to food back to food so that was our best of so our, you know we're, we'll we'll get outside of the food arena from time to time yeah. in our other segments but certainly best of is not going to be all food um let's do a little game i like to call buy or sell very original very original 
Um, what I'm going to, the spin that we're going to have on it is buy or sell. Are we taking it into 2020 or are we leaving it in 2019? Are we done with it? Are we done? Are we over it? Are we over it or that is, is so it just 2019? Started? That's so 2019 or you know what? 2020. I want to see more of it. I want, I, I want more. I want I, more. I just got a taste of it and I, I want, I want more. So we got a bunch of them to rattle off. Uh, we'll try it. We'll try not to go too long. Let's start with tasting menus. <laughs> that is such a classic. <laughs> is that not the most classic thing to start with? Like Mike Eagle starting, like, okay, like, of all the things in the world, we're going to start tasting menus. What do know, we think? Yeah, tasting. I, I want to hear your, I want to, because I feel like you have a very strong opinion about this. Okay, so tasting menus. Uh, you know, here's the thing is that I was. Dude, people don't even like, I feel like no, how many people actually go to like on a consistent basis eat use go to a that's tasting my menu point restaurant? no I'm, one does i'm buying stock in tasting menus You're buying stock 2020 i think they're going to be bigger i'm starting to see them more i'm starting to see really high not not just high-end restaurants but cool creative chefs that are popping up in boston that are doing tasting menus and they're not all super expensive people have a misconception of tasting can you menus. explain what a tasting menu is okay so a tasting menu right so a tasting menu basically is going to just be a prepaid you get you know whether it's five courses seven courses eight courses and you're paying an x amount per person and that's what you have going in you just know how much you're spending it's not for an every night of the week place, but I also think there's a misconception that a tasting menu is going to be like a Thomas Keller restaurant, like 350 a person. That's not the case. Like I'm finding there are tasting menus in Boston that are 95 a person, which, you know, you know, a couple hundred bucks, that could be what you're spending normally at dinner. Mm -hmm. Or I've, you know, I've seen tasting menus for 75 a person. So there's really now kind of a range, I feel like, of tasting menus where you're not necessarily spending that much. And it is, it tends to be more of a special occasion place or a place you're not, you're going to maybe once a month for a night, a date night or something like that. But I'm seeing more of them. Do you generally know what food you're getting in the tasting menu or do you just like just basically leave it up to like did they give so, you an idea there is we're going to get into what the difference is between leaving it up because there's our next uh okay yeah, we, yeah, yeah, be yeah. Okay. a little bit into that um generally you kind of know what you're getting mm-hmm. i would say with a with a normal tasting menu you see the menu um and is that what like when we're talking about like the um grand Ackets and the thomas kellers of the world is that is, is that not the main motive culinary experience that they have yes so all the top and that's why that's why there is a misconception because all these top chefs and these really like high level three michelin star type restaurants they all do tasting menus so people see tasting menu and they're like oh no i'm not spending all that yeah honestly that's why i'm buying it into 2020 because i feel like we're gonna see lower price tasting menus it's gonna be more prevalent people are gonna say I don't need to necessarily go in and pick what I want. I'll leave it up to the chef, and they're going to tell me what the set menu is. Yeah, um, I'm buying it. Yeah, I mean, I I think it goes into also the argument about how uh, the culinary experience is shifting into more of that of an experience rather than like the reason you leave your house to go out to dinner um, with, with it being so easy to get you know Uber Eats and and delivery like takeout. Um, is for an experience and for you to have like this this kind of it falls under that category where right it's really like you buy a set price ticket to 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 the uh to the restaurant and then you just they serve you up and it, it really like I, I can i i 
I, I'm gonna now I'm gonna get into what I, I was gonna say sell tasting menus because okay I mean <laughs> I mean no this is kind of convincing me but I, what I I what I personally like about restaurants is like the the the, the small plates is, I I still think is is like I I would buy if we were talking about buying selling small plates and tapas. Like I'm still into that into that mode of, of eating where there's like I like going to restaurants and like seeing the whole menu and kind of being able to like have fun with it and pick different things and have it ro- like have it rotate over time so you can try out like all the different re- all the different dishes and like if there's like a it, it's just I like knowing a little bit going in what I'm getting um, and and what I'm in the mood for um, instead of like leaving it completely up to but up to the chef but like you said there's a time and a place and um i just don't see myself eating like i don't even know if i'm gonna have a tasting menu in 2020 i mean maybe i will like one or two like but it's just not one of those things that like at this stage in my life i can really like justify and that maybe that goes into like single versus married like as a single guy i'm not having that many opportunities to go out to a tasting menu restaurant like you don't go on dates and go to a tasting menu restaurant so that that's kind of okay fair enough when I when I say buy though, I'm basically saying that I'm almost like putting the my faith in restaurants to sort of transition into what I think they would like. I think that tasting menus will be more of a millennial thing in 2020. Okay, I I think that the right now there is uh, the perception and it's the correct perception that they are sort of like a high class. You so yeah, you you're, you're you're saying I'm that, projecting yeah, what I think will happen. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, but um. But along those same lines, I'm also buying omakase. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you're going to a sushi restaurant, I think that they're like really the ones that are doing this the most. And you are totally trusting the chef. So this is the difference between just a tasting menu and omakase. You're not getting a menu. You don't Mm -hmm. know what you're getting. Mm -hmm. The chef is handing you what he wants to hand you. I think that's a really cool experience. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I get this anxiety going to sushi restaurants as it is like, you know, not knowing what to pick and not knowing what the best things are. And um, especially when you're going out with a group of people, it's like that's another thing we can talk about is like how, you know, difficult it is to order sushi for like when you're when you're going on. Really out, out difficult. To so it simplifies that decision making process. You don't need to worry about um, taking everyone's food taste into account. You kind of like leaving it up to the chef. And it, it really gives you the um, it gives you the like like being able to lay back and just kind of enjoy the experience and not having to overthink and stress about it. So I, I'm actually on on your side. Okay, so one. you're buying omakase. Yeah. Okay, buying omakase, but okay, I'm so we say agree on that. Selling on tasting menus in general. But. Okay, um, next one, farm to table. I'm selling that. I don't even know what that means. That, I don't I feel like I, you're going to rattle a lot of, like trigger a lot of people by saying selling farm, farm to table. I no. mean, what do you what's the alternative? You're I, saying I don't that even it, really know what that means. Farm to table just means like locally it means like locally sourced ingredients and meat and like everything is locally sourced and right, you're but, not going through like you're not buying it like like out of a factory like that's my understanding right but like if someone can grow a carrot here and someone can grow a carrot like three states away that is a better product why why do yeah, i care if it's I mean, local i would agree i mean i think like supporting the local economy like it's all about like restaurants but aren't you supporting to... that economy like i but it's also reflecting your local culture and your local like your you know like your your your, your restaurant exists in an area of, if you want to if you want to like take like food from a different area, like open your restaurant up there. I don't know. Like I, I, I like having the the restaurant be a reflection of that of of that um, environment and that culture. 
but so I understand what you're saying, but I also, I think a lot of like big chefs um, and people in the culinary world would, would disagree with you in general. I don't know. I feel like though, that if there's a better product available elsewhere, they would get the better product. Like, so better product. Yeah. You mean to tell me like if there's, um, you mean to tell me that if a chef can go to Italy to import something, they're not going to do that because they want to get the mozzarella from like high, like from like uh, Haverhill. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's like about. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would. You agree. know what I mean? I like, would, if there's a factory in Fitchburg, like that can make mozzarella, are they not going to get? Like, I isn't I just, it always in, isn't fresher always like it puts it even if it like the freshness of it even maybe if you factor in how fresh it is, it's still better than I I would agree with you. But there's something about getting like getting something that's fresh and not like sent over on a boat like i know but if the restaurant if a waitress says like oh we got this hand pulled mozzarella from italy are you gonna like say oh this tastes like it's been on a plane no no right no right. you wouldn't know the difference you would not know the difference no. i'm just out on you know there's a restaurant open in the seaport woods hill table i'm not trying to hate on the restaurant i want them to do well i i've uh -huh. never been but their website said like true farm to table like what does that mean true farm to table are they implying that like other people are not farm to table are they more farm to I, I think table? this is something that we table no pun intended yeah we, we, no. we table for the for when we get chefs on on the show okay I, i'm curious to hear their perspective but I, i'm 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 gonna just for for the uh argument's sake i'm gonna buy okay you're buying yeah um okay i am gonna go down i'm gonna go to um food halls Okay. So we got a couple more of these. Let's do food halls. Are we buying food halls or are we selling food halls? I was actually talking to my friend Jen about this uh, this weekend. They opened one up in Chicago, Time Out Market. Right. And they she, opened one in Boston, too. Yeah, you're right. Um, and the idea of it is good, I think. Um, I, I think it turns into one big tourist trap. And yeah. I, I think, like, when you're going to a new city and you really can't decide what restaurant to go to, you're just like, oh, let's just go to the food hall and we can try everything. And then it gets filled up with these tourists and people that don't really can't make up their minds. And it, it's hard to find a seat. It's stressful. Um, you're not necessarily getting the best of what that what they're offering. They're kind of giving you, like, a package, like a commercialized version. And, right. and so you're not getting actually what that restaurant is. I do think it's a good marketing tool for these restaurants. But I would say sell on, on food halls in general. Um, I, I'm I'm a very strong agree on that. I here's the thing about food halls is that in theory, you know, you you have one place with like ten or fifteen vendors, and they're all cool, really really great restaurants or chefs. But like, how many places are you actually going to go to when one sitting? You know, yeah. you go to one place and stand in line, and then you go to are you going to actually like eat and then go to another right, place? Right. You're so not, you end yeah. up only eating at the one place probably, or maybe you go to two max. But like. Like Time Out Market, like I just mentioned, they opened um, in Boston, and we walked in. We went a couple months ago, and I thought it was amazing when I first walked in. Now, after thinking about it, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I can go there and get one thing, but I would have to go there a bunch of times to really try everything there. Right. A little overwhelming. I'm a hard. Never I've, a seat. It's so hard to find a seat. At so those hard places. to find. You a have seat. to like have someone hold the table down while you running around. Like it's it's you have to go it. It's always like a watered down concept too from like a restaurant. It's always yeah. like a, I'm gonna, I'm going to give you like one dish from my restaurant. Like that's gonna be like what I'm selling, and it's like I I don't know. I I feel like they're played out at this point. Well, yeah, and then also going into the experience thing, it's like it, it, when you the way the when, how you consume the food is almost part of it. Like if you're if you're only getting like the burger and sitting down in this big food hall and 
you're not really getting the whole like what what the chef is aiming for by giving like going into the restaurant giving them that experience of the right. whole restaurant so it's like you lose you lose the magic of going into a restaurant I, right I, right i kind of agree with that good example real quick um the timeout market in fenway they have uh, a craigie burger so mm-hmm. craigie on main which is close to where brandon lives is a restaurant where they only sell like 20 burgers a night and it was this like really a hard to get burger um now they have a food stand in that food hall that just sells those burgers and i ate it it was great but i started to think like it's not really that special if everybody now can order that burger like i saw them making like 50 of those things and i'm like wow you know it kind of loses the the coolness of going to craigie on main and being like i am one of the 20 people tonight that got this burger right like can you imagine you know back in the day or back you know five ten years ago saying to someone like oh i actually got the craigie burger right, it's kind of right. this cool underground it's like the popeye's thing. chicken sandwich popeye's <laughs> chicken sandwich then they start making a million of them and you're like okay well it's no longer that cool to right, have one right right um so i yeah i'm a i'm a sell on those so all right so those were our those were some of our buys and sells 2019 2020 and um so let's let's transition into speaking of 2020. Let's transition into some 2020 food predictions. What are the trends for 2020? We're going to have some of our own takes on what what's going to be the big thing in 2020. So let's start with okay. So there's what a lot of articles written about this. Yeah, what so, do we, what do we want to start with, Brandon? Um I would say uh let's see. Oh god. We're going through our list here. I mean, it's all like bio, bio friendly. I mean, oh, let's start with okay. I got one. This is this kind of caught me by surprise. We were reading some articles today. Non-alcoholic beverages. Yeah, what is the deal with that? What is the deal? Can any That's of our come listeners come up a couple times? Can someone reach out to us and tell us why this is? K- kombucha is an example of this. It's made of fermented yeast and often thought of having health benefits that aid gut health as a buzzy beverage option for the upcoming year. So I guess kombucha is really the big driver of this. I'm not really sure I would ever order a kombucha. I don't even know if I'm, it, are we saying that correct? Is that a is it kombucha? It's kombucha. Okay, kombucha. Yeah, they, they had kombucha on tap actually at Spotify. So I should really? actually yeah, I should have known this. So they were at the forefront. They were Spotify was. It, they I were mean, living in 2020. They are. <laughs> yeah, in general they were. Um and yeah, kombucha, I think it's just really good for you and I think that's what these that that's really the health benefits is what it's all about um i don't think it particularly tastes very good it's like medicine never had it fermented beverages i mean like what, are you going to go to the restaurant and ask if they have any fermented beverages they may have kombucha now i don't know but um apparently it's going to be all the rage in the upcoming year yeah Do you agree with, i mean it's hard to even have an opinion about this i just but. i just i can't you know I'll reserve my opinion. I I feel like I have just haven't seen it enough in restaurants. I feel like if I'm going to go non-alcoholic at a restaurant, I mean Diet Coke kind of is going to hit the spot. Diet Coke. Well, I mean Coca-Cola. I mean um soda is not really uh not really like, you know, the healthiest option right now. People, okay, people we know are, that. No, we I know that. that. <laughs> Don't always eat healthy. Um or drink healthy. Um but you know, if I'm going to go non-alcoholic, I'm either doing water or Diet Coke. I'm not doing kombucha. I don't know. Would if you ordered a kombucha we in a need, restaurant, would you get the Mrs. Miyagi look? Mrs. If Miyagi, anyone has listened yes, to our second prob- podcast, I, that means I should probably order it. Yeah, I don't um, know. I, I I don't see myself asking my waiter or waitress if they have kombucha. Yeah, but, and okay. So another one that we talked about it was locavores. With the, the there would be an increased interest in locavore eating in 2020. So that's basically what we talked about with farm to table, right? Farm raised farm raised something i'm organic i'm selling 
you're selling this. So you're going against this. I mean, I'm I going think it's just hard it. to avoid. People want to have like farmers market experiences and, you know, and, and going and getting food that it's locally sourced and fresh. So, I, I mean, I'm, it seems like that's going to be the, the all the rage in 2020. I don't know. I just feel like it's a word restaurants throw around. I don't know. Farm to table, organic. I don't know. Who knows if what they're actually doing back there? <laughs> what are they even doing back there? Yeah, who knows? Um, okay. I would, you want to throw out a, a shout out to a Korean rice liquor, Mak Gioli. We'll totally be, saying that correctly. Yep, nailed it. Um, apparently, going to be a huge, a huge um, re- uh, drink uh, beverage in in twenty twenty. I mean, um, I don't even liquor, know what to say about this rice one. liquor. Um, so if you if you start seeing it on menus, then just you know think think about us because yeah. apparently it's going to be all the rage. I did see one on here. Um, the the article that we're referencing, I saw one here about open kitchens. Can I make a quick comment? Love open kitchens. Oh, that's a huge surprise. No, I mean seriously. <laughs> Who doesn't like walking into a restaurant and seeing an open kitchen? That's like a okay. What's going how on? Is, how open are we talking? Are we talking um, like uh, wide open. cooking? Cooking in front of you open? No, well, that's like a whole other. I would go to that too. But like if Benny it's Hanna? if it's just like open right in your face, you see them. You see them flipping the dishes on this. Gr- I mean, it, I love it. I love open kitchens. I just feel like it's kind of like. You get the view of the chefs at work. You, it's almost it feels interactive, but even though it isn't, mm-hmm. um, and it's almost like that little reassurance, like, all right, I see them actually cooking that shrimp. Right, exactly. I, I mean, steak, it's, just okay. tra- it's all about transparency. Like, you want to make transparency. sure that you want to make sure that they're not there's not rats in the kitchen. There's like the kitchen right. looks clean. They keep it clean, which is always important. There's so, the noise, the pots and pans noise. I like that little pots and pans. You like honestly. When, no, but when someone drops something in the kitchen, you're like, oh, that guy's screwed. Oh, like, like, my meal's taking yeah, 20 more minutes. Yeah, yeah there's always <laughs> someone makes that joke. That was probably my meal. Yeah, right. I love it. I mean, yeah, when I just I feel like um, I feel like the, the other thing I was going to mention with the open kitchens is that. You notice how they're like very they tend to be like not a lot of talking between like the chefs. It's like you wonder almost like you you see these TV shows and movies where everyone's yelling at each other right. and then the open kitchen's like oh you got to be silent. Right. They you probably, can't have everyone yelling in the restaurant. They probably like uh the, the chefs probably like it just cuz they're they don't have to be yelled at. Or the line cooks probably at. don't. Yeah. I actually would be curious to talk about chefs about that concept too. Right. And so um you know the article we're we're reading it talks about like what I said that you know how it got, diners can kind of feel like they're part of the experience it's a little interactive. I just I love open kitchens. Mm-hmm. If we were if that was in our buy or sell I'd be I'd be buying a lot of stock in open kitchens. I feel like it's going to continue into 2020. Um, and I, I just think it, it makes the space a much more of just much more vibrant scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Anything about technology that we should mention? So, I mean, obviously going into 2020, we talked about how, you know, these restaurants are going to be, be a lot more informed by data and how they serve people at right. restaurants. So like, that's something that I don't think people really think about. And unless you work in the industry um, is being able to like cater the restaurant experience to people based on their past orders. Um, you know, Mike and I were talking about whether like, you know, a waiter would come up to you and be like, Hey Mike, like I, I noticed you've ordered the steak three times in a row. Like, would you want to branch out to a different? Yeah. Like, what, what do you think? Do you think that's, do you think that's going to be a bigger part of it where you're going to have to, I mean, I don't know how you really give your data to restaurants now. I mean, open table and these reservation systems is probably, they would have to, that, that that's what they're relying on. I think that's natural that data, data drives every decision. And it's, if, if it's going to help make the, the restaurant more money, it, 
it, I don't see it ever stopping. Um, so I'm just curious what your opinion about that is. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that sounds cool in theory. You know, you're you're on open table, you make a res, you go to the restaurant, and then whatever you order is sort of logged in their system, and they can know for future, uh, you know, uh, times where you go to the restaurant what you've ordered. But then in in actuality, it would be almost feel a little intrusive. Yeah. Um, you know, would you want your waiter to come up to you and say, so I see you've ordered the steak nine times in a row here. I don't know. Are you looking to get something different? Like, I don't know what I, would I want a restaurant to know what I've ordered, but it also could then make for a cool experience because the waiter or waitress could say, so, you know, I, I see you've done this and this in the past. Can I offer something like this that it uh, might, might, um, you know, help you branch out or something like that. So, um, I think the more information, uh, the better generally. I think that the more information they gather on a diner, they can sort of, the hospitality will be better um, and they, the, the whole guest experience can be better. But there might be a, like a point where it is intrusive. Yeah, I think this probably is already happening without us knowing, to be honest. And it, 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 because of the fact that we would find it intrusive, they haven't really introduced this. Like you wouldn't ever yeah. find a way to I've telling s- you that. Yeah, I've seen you've ordered the cornbread yeah, exactly. nine times. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure this data is being logged somewhere, but I agree with you that I, I, I think at this point and probably in the next couple of years, because of all the data privacy issues we've seen across the whole internet, um, where people are really protective over their data, I don't think that in trust is so important. Um, they're probably using this. This is really something they use behind the scenes right now where it helps them create new menus. It helps them actually look at new restaurant opportunities based on um, different orders that people have. I'm sure that they see what people gravitate towards, what they like, um, and, and just what you know, what's generating the most money for them um, on a consistent basis. I'm sure it's helping inform a lot of their decisions um, in all of their restaurants. So, I mean, they'd, they'd be fools not to take that data into account. Um, it's just more about, I guess this is really talking about how, you know, customer facing is that going to be like, is it going to be like a discover weekly Spotify type of experience where you get served up like a personalized menu, um, when you walk into a restaurant, um, based on all of your food tastes, it's like, here's, here's your menu that, you know, is right. Tasting menu. Maybe there's a tasting menu component. Um, and I think that's a, I think down the road when people kind of open up their trust a little bit more, this could be could be a potential option. Um, right. I mean, wouldn't it be kind of cool if you went to a restaurant, you could order off the menu, or you get a personalized menu based on what you've ordered from other restaurants? Yeah. I mean, that's. I wouldn't even mind. I really wouldn't. Right. I, you get the option. Right. Exactly. And, you know, it's just that you're not willingly giving up your data. I don't think that restaurants actually are able to get that i don't know what's the data policy on that i'd be curious to talk to a restaurant so that's yeah that's something restaurants are gonna have to deal with in the next you know a year that's a big 2020 topic for them you know how much data are they pulling and what are they doing with it what are they allowed to do with it right and i there's sort of a great unknown with that and and i know like you know um like uber eats and grubhub seamless um doordash like they're using i'm sure that they're using this data like this is very easy to for them to collect because they they get you know so you're getting served up when you go on Grubhub or or, or Seamless. You're, you're getting served up a uh, a personalized list of restaurants based on what you've ordered in the past. So like, of course, they're using that data. Of course, they're using that data right now. So. Of course, you log on to any delivery app and they'll say, "Here are your past orders. You know, here's some recommendations." There's no reason why a restaurant can't do a similar yeah, thing. No, absolutely. So yeah, something to think about in 2020. What What was the food of the year in 2019? Would you say was there like one thing that like 
kind of i know like we always t- i don't know if avocado is probably like 2018 2017. that's probably that's probably 20 everything held had avocado hummus like, was probably before that i feel like um brussels sprouts are brussels really sprouts big. Is big like i feel like every restaurant does brussels sprouts now like well, that's a big yeah i totally um yeah i don't even know i'm trying to think of like what there, there there's uh I feel like pork has been has been really big. Yeah, people I feel kind like, of branching out into like kind of lesser. We known. talk about lamb belly, pork belly. I think pork has belly. been has, has gotten really big. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people are branching out. They're not going with the safe picks like the chicken parms. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Callback. Sorry, Mark Eagle. <laughs> Mark Eagle. Who I deep, deeply offended with my trick chicken parm take. Yeah, seriously. But, uh, Get out of here with that take. But <laughs> 2020, any you know, if you had to make call your shot, who's the winner of 2020? Is there any food that like you? kind of see emerging other than the 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 korean rice uh rice rice that yeah it's gonna be a lot of kombucha a lot of kombucha it's the year of the kombucha 2020 2020 um you know i think that uh i think we'll continue i think millennials are going to influence restaurants more than anyone because these are the i i feel like you know, as you get into older generations, they they sort of have their restaurants they like to go to. Millennials are the ones branching out, and it's going to dictate and influence a lot of the restaurants that stay open, that open up, and the types of menus that they're offered. So mm-hmm. I think that um, I think that non traditional foods are really going to take over, and people are going to be willing to try different things. Yeah, um, no, and there's absolutely. probably going to be a lot of vegan menus, to be honest. Yeah, that's something we didn't that, talk about. We didn't I mean, talk about vegan. Twenty twenty might be or twenty nineteen might be the year of when like it became mainstream to have a veggie burger like the uh the The impossible Impossible burger um i mean that's that's i think that's whether we like it or not like more people are becoming vegan and and that's kind of what i what what i would say is my prediction into 2020 is 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 like really bringing like the vegetable to the to the forefront like right like meat you know everyone loves meat obviously and but there's going to be like a huge challenge for these these restaurants as people are moving towards vegan more vegan type of diets that they're going to have to make these 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 vegetables the main stars of their dishes and um you're going to see more um more 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 chefs you know incorporating that into into their into their main courses and trying to make them look appetizing and um and you know be a good substitute for meat so that's that's kind of where 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 my head's at i agree with that so should be interesting 2020 another yeah. year of eating a lot another, of eating. another year of eating i know by, by by 2020 we'll have like some like turkey substitute for thanksgiving yeah right i know there'll yeah. be Tofurky. some uh yeah tofurkey yeah that was already a thing I guess. oh yeah so that'll no, come back come back <laughs> come back to the tofurkey um all right so yeah that was episode three um so we will probably talk a little bit more about 2020 coming up in the next couple podcasts just you know maybe year in reviews maybe 2019 year in reviews looking yep. forward to 2020 maybe have more in-depth of restaurant of the year yep. food of the year holiday season holiday coming season. up so more food and a lot more eating a lot more eating so uh and, uh, definitely a lot got a lot to look forward right. to have so, a good one guys. yeah thanks guys yeah.